All right. It looks like we're on the air. Sesh, are you ready? Indeed. Maria, are you ready? Yes, yes. Well, in that case, five, four, three, two. Hello, all you spry tubers, twitchers, and pod people out there. Welcome to the Could You Do It Better podcast, where filmmaker, gamer extraordinaire, and the behind-the-scenes awesomeness known as Sesh, and the writing and directing sensation known as Maria, discuss popular television shows and movies and answer the always controversial question of, could you do it better? Today, we will be discussing episode six of season one of Ryan Condal's House of the Dragon television series based upon George R.R. R. Martin's novel, Fire and Blood. And as for me, I'm Jonathan the Intern, and unlike our two experts, have no industry experience whatsoever. In other words, I'm much like the Pink Dread, where I get all gussied up and feathered to look like our two fierce dragon ladies, only to be a pig that cannot even fly and used simply as a source of mockery, while not looking nearly as cute as I wallow in my own filth, constantly making oinking and squealing sounds throughout the episode. And now, to Sash and Maria. We are back. We are back. All right. Uh, so another episode done. Um, will it build off our highest episode of the season based off of our reviews last episode? We'll see. Um, spoiler warning, by the way, in this episode, uh, we will be doing a detailed recap of episode six of the House of Dragon TV series that will contain spoilers throughout. So if you haven't watched this episode and don't want to hear spoilers before you do, please feel free to put us on mute as you watch the episode and then you re-watch our show afterwards because that's how you double view counts. And now, on to the recap as mandated by our legal department. We start with moaning in the darkness and wake up to find it's 10 years in the future. Millie Alcock has been thrown into the Red Keep and replaced by Emma Darcy, and Rhaenyra has given birth to her son. Queen Alison says, screw mother-child bonding time and bed rest. You bring me that newborn immediately. So Rhaenyra does the walk of baby shame across half the castle, up 87 flights of stairs and half of Mount Everest to get to Alison's chambers, only to get snide comments about the baby's name and how it doesn't look like the father. So uh, what's the penalty for dropkicking a queen out the window? Asking for a friend. Well, at least the one-armed man, King Viserys, is happy. And with that, Rhaenyra is told to go back to her chambers bleeding the whole way while lecturing Lenor on the inappropriateness of naming their firstborn after his former lover. <laughs> never mind, never mind. Make that thirdborn, as apparently her first two births and children were so unimportant we just skipped past that part of the storyline. <laughs> Enter Sir Harwin Strong. Lord Commander of the City Watch, who is heavily implied to be Rhaenyra's baby daddy. Safe to say, Rhaenyra has a type. That's um, men within 10 feet of her who can't say no or else be executed. <laughs> I know what that's like. <laughs> over to the dragon pit. <laughs> yeah, over, over to the dragon pit. 
where we are introduced to a toy poodle in your handbags version of a dragon, Vermax. Adorable. I'd baby Bjorn him. Prince Chase. I'm in so much trouble with HR right now. They are, they are waving their hands. It's not good. Prince Jace uh, feeds him a goat that is larger than him, which he wolfs down. These are the sweet, family-friendly moments that only Game of Thrones can bring. Allison's second son, Aemond, I, I think, uh, the show hasn't property, properly introduced us yet, is mocked by his siblings with Babe the Flying Pig Dragon, only to be summoned into darkness by a large dragon who scares him. Oh, okay. He, he's a Targaryen, right? No. Anyway, and that scene ends. Over to Alison, watching her daughter play with bugs. Awkward conversation. Eamon, though, comes running and crying and tattling on his siblings. Alison then similarly runs off to tattle to Viserys, who is like, oh, boys will be boys, brah. Has the man up, man. But Alison's like, Rhaenyra's kids are demonic torturers because they're born out of wedlock. Your daughter's an insult. Viserys counters with, you can lead a raven mare to a silver stallion, but you can't make it eat the chestnuts. You just got natured, girl. Now shut the hell up. Oh, oh, hold on. Un, un besito. So off runs Helsin to tattle to Sir Kristen now about Rhaenyra's infidelity, and we find Sir Kristen's gone full emo as his paper heart still bleeds for Rhaenyra as he's wishing he was buried alive due to that crazy beyond to Helsin's son Aegon. I think again not introduced, uh, pleasuring himself on Tommen's window ledge of flying. Oh. Mommy walks in on him and chastises him for bullying his brother, then goes full toddlers and tiaras on him, screaming, You will be crowned! Now stop touching yourself and put back on that leotard Mommy made for you! <laughs> Cut to angry Doctor Who, and Lena doing some synchronized dragon fire flying in Pentos. They're offered a free mansion and gold if they protect Pentos from the Triarchy. Which should mean something, as that had to do with the whole crab feeder war, but who knows, it's been over ten years and there's been no real setup. Well, oh, oh, we're done. Enough of that for now. So over to Sir Kristen, training all the young princes through the time-honored method of teaching the eldest, Aegon, to beat on Rhaenyra's kids. Commander Strong steps in to question that methodology, and Sir Kristen calls him a baby daddy. Sir Strong pounds him like a knight of kisses. However, Sir Kristen's face is far sturdier. Hand Strong summons his son to have a father-son conversation. I'm not dishonorably getting yourself and your entire family killed by committing adultery with the princess. Commander Harwin says, I, I do too have honor. Why don't you believe me, Dada? Rhaenyra overhears and is like, well, time to find myself a new Lord Commander. <laughs> Cut to Rhaenyra's chambers, where drunken Lenor wants to relive that time he scored five touchdowns in a single game in the Stepstones and go back to war while <clears throat> penetrating pirates' blindsides. Rhaenyra counters with, I command you to stay here and be my husband. Foiled again! Over to Pentos, where Lena and her daughter have a heartwarming conversation on absentee fathers and waiting until you're at least a teenager before you start riding dragons. Lena talks with now apathetic and defeated Doctor Who, 
about how he needs to become motivated again. Oh boy, just what the world needs another angry, motivated maniac. <laughs> on to the small chamber meeting where they talk on horse grazing property lines. Nelson could care less, but Rhaenyra says to ask the townsfolk to supply the plot of survey and enforce that to avoid war. Elson whatevers, like she's straight out of Clueless. On to talking about the Stepstones, where shockingly, and I didn't know if you knew this, people, winning a territory battle and then leaving the land completely undefended for ten years, such that squatters can take over, is a poor military decision. Who knew? Elson blames Damon. Rhaenyra blames the crown for leaving it undefended. I'm giving this one more minute before the steel cage deathmatch. Allison, knowing she's so slight that she can't take on a postpartum mom who just bled all over the castle, says, I'm out. But Rhaenyra's like, not so fast. Dear Queenie, I'm feeling a little unresolved anger coming from your direction, and I apologize. <laughs> we were besties. Let's marry our kids and roll together. The king loves this idea. But Allison's just like, you go to bed right now, husband. <laughs> Upon leaving, Elson tells her husband, Aw, hell no. I'm a stone-cold gangster, and I won't be having no wonder bread getting up in my daughter unless someone busts a cap at me. Elson's out. <laughs> Han Strong comes to see the king to tender his resignation due to his son's improprieties, like the upstanding and honorable man he is. Viserys says, uh, no, man, you've actually given me good advice, unlike some other people who shall remain nameless. <coughs> My wife's father. <coughs> I do not accept. Elson says, you tell him what your son did. And Handstrong refuses. The king says he must then refuse his resignation and allow him leave to escort his son back to their family home in Harrenhal to visually oversee his son's banking. <laughs> Rumor is, Rhaenyra's already on Tinder, searching for a new Lord Commander of the City Watch. Alicent is displeased and angrily storms out to have dinner with Hanstrong's other son, Laris, a.k.a. Otto Jr. Alicent goes full Jan Brady. Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra! Why does it always have to be about Rhaenyra? My daddy should be Han, not yours, because then the hand would be partial to me. Why is no one taking my side? Looking straight at Laris. Man, is she insufferable. Down to the Red Keep, where Laris tells the prisoners he'll get them off if he's allowed to tongue them. Confusion via hot knife ensues. <laughs> Over to Pentos! <laughs> this is a long recap. Over to Pentos! Where Lena is having trouble giving birth to her child. Damon is given the same choice of C-section via slicing a person in half like his brother. He asks whether this might harm the mother. Dear Lord, is this guy stupid. <laughs> Lena wanders off into the wilderness and commands her dragon to burn her with fire. Dragon politely declines twice, then properly accepts the third request and immolates her like any good houseguest. Back to King's Landing, where Rhaenyra's kids need to say goodbye to their baby daddy. Rhaenyra is saddened and their kids are confused. Jace is like, Dada? To which Rhaenyra replied, Your last name is Targaryen, so you'll be allowed to be on screen for just a few more episodes. <laughs> Rhaenyra has finally had enough and tells Laenor, it's off to Dragonstone with us. You bring along every sailor and soldier with a penchant for swordplay that you can muster. Cut to the tongueless men and cut over to Harwin being burned alive. Voiceover about love and lamentations by Bard Laris while we see how Harrenhal turned into the burnt down ruins it was in Game of Thrones. 
interspersed with shots of Lena's burning skeleton. Very subtle. Cut back to Laris, telling Elson, well, I solved the hand problem for you. Looking forward to my reward because I do what my queen commands. Elson's just like, wait, I didn't command this. I just wanted my daddy to replace your daddy's hand no matter the consequence. Oh, wait. Oopsie doopsie. Show ends. This episode is brought to you by Hydrostasis Suppression Systems. Are your fiery-tempered relatives seething with burning indignation? Did those late-night legal infomercials convince you that asbestos fireproofing was not worth the risk of mesothelioma? Well, here at Hydrostasis Suppression Systems, we surround you with a state-of-the-art self-contained water suit that protects you from house fires and dragon fires alike. Now, with the newest and ultra-lightweight puncture-proof material that's as stylish as it is cozy, and Bluetooth technology that allows you to play soothing whale sounds at the press of a button. That's Hydrostasis Suppression Systems. It's like a mobile waterbed for your body and soul. Back to you, Sesh and Maria. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. That, that was work right there. You did the work. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, legal <laughs> HR. I'll be seeing you after this, uh, this episode. <laughs> Somebody's getting fired. Let's begin the first question of the evening. Do the adult Renera and adult Allison's characters line up with the buildup of their characters as a teenager? If not, how would you have introduced them as adults? I'm going to start this one off. All right. I would say yes and no. I feel like they're trying to show time has stopped essentially for Allison, as she still holds the same anger for Renera over what she did as a teenager. Starting with Renera in the throes of labor, although was a strange character choice for me because it would seem she would be terrified of having children after what happened to her mom. Uh, she seems to have matured and shifted her focus on family with her new lover, which I thought she wanted to stay focused on just ruling. I'm not quite sure why she wouldn't have had her children by her husband as they originally agreed to and then had their fun with their paramours. It does seem, though, that the acting conveys she is actually in love with the handsome. Uh, I can see that they wanted to show all the past childhood issues so that we understand the subtext of the anger between the women during the small council. But I'm not sure all that was necessary when we see that any frustration Allison would have had uh, would be abused by the hand's physically weaker son. I, I think the game is just beginning with the real players taking charge and starting to manipulate the power structure. I feel that if this were the first episode of the show, all the important underlying issues would have been naturally deduced more or less. Well, what do you think, Sesh? Yeah, I mean, said a lot of the same things I'm going to echo here. Um, so the answer to the question is uh, yes, but <laughs> uh, uh, more than ever do I wish we skipped the first four episodes and started with the last episode. Um, I'll get into that a little bit more as to why and how I would have done it better at the mm. end of this answer. Um, they really try to make Ray Ray our main girl in those, but that's like if the original Game of Thrones focused on Cersei. 
uh, great character, but maybe not the best foot forward as a protagonist. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, like, they really chose to lean into the women can't rule, so I don't give a crap idea and take that as an excuse to be irresponsible, like having other people's children instead of, she's going to have kids anyways, might as well be the correct person's kids. <laughs> um, well, like, also, weirdly enough, uh, doing the, and I quote, woman's role and yeah popping out kids which yeah it doesn't feel too off from how we saw her act when she um like when she did not take her aunt's advice or indicate in any way that she was interested in earning the title of queen uh when the time comes um but she she has at least agreed to act the part outwardly um i could see her ending up like this it's kind of half-assing everything, just doing the public part of stuff, which, sure, that, that's believable to me. <laughs> um, so Allison has been good with taking her roles and responsibilities and taking her father's words to heart, where she has also taken on being concerned for her and her family's future. By her family, I, I don't mean the king. She doesn't care if he croaks. <laughs> Other than that's when the war starts. Um, yeah, and she's... She's getting more and more anxious about that, too. So what I wish we had, besides having to experience the entirety of the first four episodes, <laughs> is seeing that Allison could have been the one, or also had, have had a crush on Night Cole. Mm. Oh, man, would that have made everything more heated between her and Ray Ray. Imagine if they both pined for the night then. Or... Uh, for the night and then Alicent was wet off to the walking corpse while Ray Ray <laughs> took the good night's honor. Yeah. I would love that since right now their anger towards each other after all these years feels like it's missing something, especially since they could have a candid conversation about the future and wars and how they don't want their family to die and what the realm would think of women ruling and Ray's marriage proposal actually making a lot of sense for peace for everyone. And sounds like they actually just need to have a conversation. And then there won't be war. Just saying. <laughs> no, that's I, I like I, I like that idea, adding a little bit more to uh to Rainer and, and Alison's uh, uh rivalry slash friendship. Yeah. So um I, I'm gonna go in a different direction I, I might have watched a different show but um you know starting starting with Rhaenyra um I'm gonna say no I mean she clearly has had uh the defiance and teenage rebelliousness beaten out of her at this point at least that's what they're trying to show um and instead she is defeated and sullen in yet another mirror of of Damon's character you know where mm -hmm. it it basically seems inevitable that they get together now that Damon is single once again and she's in Dragonstone. Plus, they've been hinting at this all season with the subtlety of a giant blinking neon sign that says, surprise, plot exit. <laughs> but, you know, if the writers didn't decide beforehand this would happen, is this really how Rhaenyra's character would turn out? I, I have strong doubts about that. She has the king's ear, she is very fierce, is very fierce and impulsive. And the queen is, let's be frank, an irritating wet noodle. Um, my guess 
is she'd be far more willing to just annoy the heck out of Allison while burning all of King's Landing to the ground before getting defeated. As for Allison, all I can say is that her character hasn't progressed at all in 10 years. Um, in fact, if anything, it might have regressed. Uh, she acted like a bratty teenager in our last episode 10 years ago, and she's acting the same now. Vindictive, rage-filled, and still listening to her daddy's advice instead of winning the game through leadership and diplomacy. Um, now she has her new daddy, which is Laris, which is the same as her old daddy. So we have one character, uh, that's Rhaenyra, doing a complete 180, and the other staying exactly the same. So I, I'm sorry, I, I just don't see any natural progression here. I think maybe, I, I don't even think that they could naturally do this over the course of several episodes, but just to go from 10 years ago to now and show, oh, they're completely different, I, I'm, I, I have trouble buying. Yeah, I mean, the how can time completely stop for Allison? It's a good question. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you'd think she'd learn something, right, yeah. over all those years? Because she exhibited she exhibited a sense of of queenliness before she got angry, and you'd think that would she'd be able to work out of that at some point. Yeah. And yeah. she's grown to have anxiety and dread. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Guess it'll have to do. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Our next question of the evening is, Damon, is it a good or bad choice to have him now disinterested in power after his sporadic attempts at the crown? Does this make him a more interesting character? Jonathan, you want to start us off? Sure. <laughs> I, I legitimately have no idea. Because here we are, six episodes in. And we have seen six extremely different versions of Damon. At, at this point, I expect him to act entirely different in the next episode, as, as I feel the showrunners and writers still have not decided on what character Damon is and what motivates him. Uh, I mean, heck, it feels like this episode came about because somebody in the writer's room asked, so uh, what motivates Damon? Let's spend an episode focusing on that. And everyone in there was just looking around confused until some junior writer chipped in to say, um, um, actually, I don't think he has one. And the showrunner saying, okay, let's just go with that for the time being. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that Damon disinterested in power and thrust into that role could be interesting. We said the same about that with Rainera earlier, but so could maniacal Damon from episode one. Or so could supposedly scheming Damon from episode four. The, the show just needs to settle on who he is as a character and what motivates him and run full bore with that. I mean, seriously, if one were to just hear Damon's lines in each episode, would anyone <laughs> even be able to realize they were all from the same character? I mean, anyone. That's a, that's a really good point. <laughs> would even the writers of it? <laughs> Sesh, uh, what's your take on this question? Uh, my take is this dude is all over the place. <laughs> so pretty much in full agreement. Um, at times, yeah, I feel like we've seen this Damon before as he clearly isn't a responsibility type of person, but there's been a lot of uh, moments where we hint he knew being the actual king himself would have uh, more responsibility than he wanted. Um, I, I think they could make him likable really easily, even with the niece incense, 
incest since it's Game of Thrones. So, you know, the audience has to be okay with something. <laughs> But they keep choosing to force him to be some kind of wild card bad guy sometimes because they still don't actually have a baddie for the series, I'm suspecting. I don't know. He's Yeah, he's, he's all over the place. And I'm adding one thing ad-libbing here that um, he's not living in his ex's kingdom. So what happened there? Yeah, <laughs> anyways, anyways, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think maybe now they are using his disinterest as a plot point rather than a real character choice. So, no, it makes me wonder where the story is going, but not really interested in Damon, as he is just used any way the writers see fit. That's it. Yeah, and, and I, I want to I wanna say this. This is, this is a hot take here. But, <laughs> but to further that point, the show has spent more time showing a teenager pleasuring himself than they've spent on Damon's backstory in six episodes. Like, how does that happen? He's a major character. Oh my gosh. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> All right, on to our next question. <laughs> Sir Kristen, now bitter and pitting children against each other, does that follow with who he was at heart? Uh, Sesh, do you want to start us off tonight? <laughs> uh, the guy who murder faced the guy with kisses in his name? No, no, no. Um, but actually, that, that it was that the character change, the drastic character change that happened. That, that was last episode. Like, it's disappointing because it would have been nice to have an honorable character for this series. Um, we have some responsible characters, but they're not doing their duties for honor. And Cole is now no longer Jon Snow 2.0. Um, mm -hmm. I was surprised, but maybe I shouldn't have been, <laughs> that the drama is literally just spelled out for everyone. So... It's so on the nose and literally vocalized. Um, I, I don't know who he is at heart anymore. Uh, I mean, I, I, I chuckled when he said that's what I thought. But, like, so, I mean, he, he is now a character, but I don't know if he has character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, turning him into an angry child abuser that goes around <laughs> cursing about the princess is a radically different turn for this character, even after he punched that, Don't that guy. Don't here out. to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from the random killing of the Knight of Kisses to this, I just don't believe this is who he is, no matter how hurt he was. I It would be more realistic if he resigned his duties and went off into the sunset after the princess turned him down. And then, like, maybe he comes back like some weird crab beater 2.0 that's been hexed or something. Uh, he wouldn't have allowed himself to act poorly and live in rage all these years. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm in agreement uh, uh, there with uh, with both of you. Although I, I think it's actually more of a question of how would he become versus how he was set up, you know? And I think that's where they missed the mark because I think what they really needed to do um, was make him more of a completely smitten, lovesick puppy dog, you know, who who does lack some control over his impulses and snaps to say quick emotional outbursts earlier in the show. Like, you know, if they made him a little more 
rebellious in that way. And, uh, you know, it's Rhaenyra going and sowing her oats a little bit. Uh, I just think that they simply wrote his character way too nice for him to be believable now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now, now I will say, uh, I, I supposedly am a guy, so it's not out of the question for nice guys who get their hearts stomped on by the love of their life to turn into disaffected, cynical, and jaded, jilted exes who take dubious moral and ethical stances. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not speaking from self-experience. They take dubious moral and ethical stances and watching the world burn because they want everyone to feel the pain that they feel inside. But this just feels cruel, what what he's doing. And I think he needed some semblance of a cruel streak prior to this point, as it's better set up to show that he can have a vindictive side. And I'm not saying he has to go around like punching puppies, you know, and, and being like that, but you have to show that he plays the role of an honorable person, but he might not necessarily be so honorable at at heart. And I think yeah. I think that that would have done it a little bit better for me. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. But yeah, yeah. Our next question yep. is: Who do you side with in matters of the small council? Let's uh, begin with you, Jonathan. Um, so for me, I'd say, I'd say easily Rhaenyra. Um, and my guess is that that was the writer's, uh, way to set this up. I mean, uh, Rhaenyra finally showed her ability to make strong leadership and military decisions, both in abilities to fortify position, consolidate power and settle squabbles diplomatically rather than through war, uh, which shows that she really has grown in that aspect in 10 years. Uh, the matter of the changing of property lines in the Blackwoods, that actually showed high intellect from Rainier and consulting with the locals to determine where the property line should rightfully be and making sure they were adhered to, whereas Allison's decision was basically let them all duke it out. It's not our problem. Um, and I think anybody in leadership, they should be deeply concerned, quite frankly, with, with problems in the communities that they rule over because, let's face it, most of uh, the the peons out there, they don't necessarily care about what goes on in King's Landing. You know, it's nice to read in Glamour magazine, but uh, not our sponsor. But um, but um, you know, they actually care about things that affect them. And to see that the crown has a vested interest in keeping them at peace, uh, I, I think that that's a really smart decision that gets the people on your side. Um, as for the Stepstones, uh, Rainier is indeed correct that the Crown should be to blame for losing it, as they should have sent ships and fortified the area where simply Allison blames Damon. However, I, I have to say this, Rainier basically stating a big I told you so 10 years later, <laughs> that, that's not very helpful. And, and offering a new plan of attack to retake and refortify the area would, in my opinion, have been much better time spent there. As for desiring to consolidate power by offering to marry her son, Jace, to Allison's daughter, Helena, that is by far the best way to consolidate power and create a clear line of succession, thereby cleaning up the entirety of Viserys' mess, basically. And Allison is simply too spiteful, vindictive, and childlike to understand how much this union not only would benefit the kingdom, but would benefit her as well. 
And I mean, Allison just comes off in these small council discussions as a juvenile idiot with, with no understanding of what is best for the realm, while Rhaenyra comes off as, as good choice and heir to the throne. And it finally seems, like at this point in the show, they're actually showing somebody who might actually be fit to rule in the future. And that is not something I would have said anything about Rhaenyra's character yeah. 10 years ago. So... <laughs> Which is odd because Alicent was set up to have the more mm -hmm. sense. Right. So, like, where did that go? Uh, yeah, my, my take on it is that, yeah, the first issue with the property lines is probably something more suited for their local HOA <laughs> than the small council. <laughs> Although, I would make sure the council has a representative at the HOA meeting, mm -hmm. keeping tabs on the outcome. Um, as far as the issue over keeping control over the area, Damon won for the crown. I would tend to agree with Renera, like you said. Putting up posts and shoulders to, to solidify their claim to it would be strategically important for future strife and help them even at the extra expense to have a stronghold in battles. Um, I'm sure they could find a way to make up the loss of money and selling crabs to the neighbors. The final issue of suggesting a match between Allison's daughter and Renera's son would extinguish some of the fears or, of whether or not Renera is going to kill her children. I think Allison's being against it shows her real issue is not that of fear. I can see Allison's point that Rhaenyra is only offering because she is about to be exposed for her long-term dalliances, but at the end of the day, it would help bring some sort of peace, so why not? Especially if her main concern is over the safety of her, ch of her children. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like she just has that metronome of her dad in her head saying Aegon, must, Aegon <laughs> must be king, you know, but no, this, this avoids it and also puts your child on the throne. Yeah. Like, best of both worlds. Yeah. Yep. Well, I really like what both of you guys said, so I just cut a little bit of mine out. Cause, uh, <laughs> I agree entirely, HOA, I agree entirely. Like, and I told you so 10 years is just not enough. Like, why are we talking about issues 10 years ago? Oh yeah, cause that's all the show has shown us so far. And I, yeah, so, okay. I, I don't really get the sense that any of these topics were actually important for the plot, except for the suggestion that Ray Ray made. Um, what I find funny, though, is that in this meeting, it really is when Ray Ray is taking steps to taking action to help defend against all this. Like her, she's doing this because her private actions have consequences. It just took her 10 years for her to actually get anxious about the future herself that she laid out for herself. Like, unlike her friend who has been stressing about the future and her family since her dad left and had no say in anything about her life. It's, it's a little strange that Ray Ray is just now actually thinking, oh, maybe ruining the line of succession wasn't a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, Ray Ray, okay, so Ray Ray is right about everything in this meeting, though. Um, so maybe this is a good thing that she's realizing that her actions have consequences and now she's trying to be smart about it. Uh, well, her future at least. Uh, like Ray Ray is right with the land. It should have been guarded. It Can I just point out how super weird it was that it wasn't guarded by any of the multiple families involved in the crab war? That's a but, really good point. Yeah. yeah. Like, like it wasn't just them. It wasn't just Damon. Like, oh yeah, Damon didn't leave it. It was multiple families and multiple parties involved. So, yeah, no, I, I agree, too. Like, I really like Ray Ray's idea of marrying the families together, too. So I'm just, I'm totally on her side here. Like, all of the points she made were really good for keeping the peace. Very good for keeping the peace. 
Yeah, I, I will point out, by the way, you know who knew to keep that area? The three of us when we talked about this last time where Damon comes strolling in and the king's like, yo, why are you not in the steps? And he's like, oh, you know, I just left it. And the king's like, cool, bro. Okay. Yeah, welcome. Well, you know? in the backyard. So. <laughs> All right. Uh... Question number five. So uh, Lena decides to die by dragon instead of by C-section, taking her unborn child along with her. Does this make sense for her character choice, or did she decide she must die in order for Damon to find his purpose? <laughs> Sesh, what do you think? Hey, um, well, like this definitely felt like it was supposed to happen uh, near the end of the season, like not now, not after finally getting to see her as an adult. So plot-wise, uh, WTF. <laughs> like, if she was the one who wanted to stay and he was the one who wanted to leave, I can see the natural progression of where uh, Damon's obviously going next. Right now, that's still the direction he's going, anyways, uh, to Ray Ray. But it would have made more sense. Like, this wasn't set up well. Um, not sure if they're going in this direction either but he has girls ray ray has boys who somehow are not damons after 10 years uh, <laughs> maybe even more family tree entanglement is in the future um uh, to be fair though i was really curious i was like i wonder whose baby this is because there's like at least two and then who knows who else we found in the decades since we've seen her um but so for her character for her as a character um yeah, I mean, she wanted to go out like a dragon rider. So for the handful of sentences that we got of her character, <laughs> uh, this, this seemed to line up. Uh, there, there were there were a little vague on the survivability of both mother and child for me to be fully on board with this plan. Seemed weird, too. She was just there on the beach. Yeah. Like, I would have liked to see them try to finish on the beach and if it wasn't going to happen Dracaris. uh kind of badass though uh not gonna lie better than our episode one queen's fate and honestly better than some other dragon riders fate too shame we i think it's a shame we lost her so soon um i hope her littlest girl gets the biggest dragon oh yeah i i legitimately thought the dragon was going to be the midwife for her i thought i thought the dragon yeah i thought the dragon was going to exactly like do a little dragon c-section and just pull the baby out and then the baby would be like yeah right away i'm like the baby couldn't be burned oh my gosh that would have been so good yeah okay i need to make a point with that they did not show the baby skeleton and they forgot going through the fire that, that's true. Ooh, maybe we have a fireproof baby. Maybe because there was no. I thought they just forgot. Maybe not. They're like, oh yeah, she was pregnant. Oops. I mean, I don't know if the show would be nice. It doesn't seem to have that kind of decency. But no. oh my gosh. So for me, now my are so high for the next episode. <laughs> Where's this magic baby? <laughs> for me, I don't think they're gonna do. It. It'd be awesome though. Um, <laughs> I'll take back so much I said. Damn it. <laughs> um, this made zero sense to me. I know her dialogue was foreshadowing to this event, but it wasn't good enough for her to make that choice. She had choices. One, die so that her child could have a chance at life. 
or two, have them cut up a child so she could survive to live on another day so she can take care of her daughters. Hello. Either of those would have made sense. But to go out and have her dragon kill her is not a hero's death. When she basically just murdered her own child with her and left her daughters in the hands of an emotionally absent father, she seemed like a pretty loving mother. So that really made no sense to me outside of the writer's wanting to get rid of her in a cool, dramatic way so that Damon could finally be with his true love niece. Yes. It was like five minutes after she said it, too. Like, yeah. hey, maybe later it would have made sense. <laughs> yeah, com complete agreement. I, I didn't get it. Makes me think that maybe I, I'll give the only the slightest bit of benefit of the doubt here. It, it makes me think that there was a scene that was deleted from the episode where we yes. missed some mm. some pertinent information. They're like, you know what? We're in a time crunch. We're already 20 minutes over. I don't know why, but we're already, <laughs> we're already 20 minutes over. You know, we can't possibly have this important scene where she's like, screw all of you. I'd rather run and get burned by a dragon instead of have you decide my fate. That would have explained things to me, maybe. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't understand why Lena would decide to do that. I mean, it made very little sense in the episode where she was a caring mom. She had a heart-to-heart, -heart, heartwarming talk with her daughter before the hand. She was actually being nice or trying to be nice to Damon, like like being like, you know, listen, I'm doing this for us. Don't worry, hon. And and so for her to go out and and just do that, like it didn't make sense in her character arc either. So I all I can come up with is that, yeah, the show needed to get rid of her to set up Damon and Rhaenyra as the new power couple uh, because it just made no sense. I, I didn't get the logic. I didn't get the rationale there. Uh, that there's really no explanation other than, oh, you know, we looked at the script and where we want to go. Sorry, hon, you're out. You know, that's it. Missing scene sounds exactly right because it's... I would have just liked there to have been some kind of excuse, just some kind of like, there's actually nothing we can do for either of them. And right. her just being like, okay, burn me. Like, you know, yeah. like I really wanted something like that. Like it was like sort of kind of almost a little, it was just vague. It was, there's such, there's definitely a missing scene or a scene that just should have been there <laughs> that yeah. never was. Yeah. So our next question is, is Allison responsible for the death of the hand and his son? Um, I'm going to go take this one. Uh, no, I think she really needed a friend to talk to and vent her frustrations. Did she want actual change? I'm not even sure she thought that far. I think she just wanted to be heard and validated. She wanted to feel like someone was there for her and not feel so isolated all the time. I, I you know, I mean, 10 years of stewing about feeling like she's right and making the good choices while she watches Rhaenyra do whatever she wants and gets away with it. It's got to be frustrating. She doesn't have any girlfriends to talk to. So Laris took advantage. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Laris took advantage of this as finding his way in and an excuse to manipulate her into feeling guilty and that he is owed something. Now, this is where I think she went wrong. I think she should have murdered him right on the spot for it. Letting him. No, really. This guy is willing to kill his own father and brother to manipulate you, he needs to die. Letting him live <laughs> is what makes her complacent in his future dealings that I do think she will be 100% responsible for. So. Mm. 
<laughs> what do you think? Yeah, so, was she responsible? Uh, nope. Uh, this, I mean, this was a good example, actually, finally, of a bunch of people's actions, uh, both big and small, leading to an important event. Uh, I, I hope it leads to some interesting turning points for their lives in the plot. Uh, it took 10 years for her buddy to make some killer moves, but it wasn't her fault at all. Uh, she really just laid out the facts and somebody else decided to make a play. Uh, I'm hoping this works out really well for her at least. And she ends up actually utilizing this kind of plotting more because it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a Game of Thrones otherwise. I think she's one of the most, I mean, I think she is one of the most decent characters in the story. <laughs> Still, somehow. Uh, and seeing her turn into a Cersei type would be entertaining if they do it right. Um, they kind of bumbled that arc with everyone else so far, so we'll see. Jonathan, what do you think? What's your take on this? I have no idea what you two are talking about. <laughs> This is this is some mamby pamby stuff that absolutely absolutely listen, she is the bloody queen, okay? If she hasn't learned after 13 years that words and requests of the king and queen actually carry, I don't know, some sort of power, and that it is her subject's duty to follow her commands, even if they are merely insinuations. I don't know what to tell her, okay? Moaning to a conniving, scheming, power-hungry snake of a character that basically is just like her father, that she wishes the honorable hand was no longer in power because she wants the hand fully partial towards her, and then giving Laris doe eyes, saying nobody loves me here, <laughs> is for all practical intents and purposes ordering him to kill the hand. What? And no, it is, as it's the same strategy uh, hot tub streamers use to get tier three <laughs> subs from their sips. True story. We've seen it. They just want to get on that first page for the clout. Okay. Because they found the best way to make money. That's, <laughs> that's right. For her, for her. You guys making the right moves. <laughs> he suddenly turned scary, but just saying. Yeah. For her to even feign shock that Laris burnt down his own family home Killing his brother and father in the process is ridiculous from my perspective, you know? Maybe maybe she's feeling pangs of conscience at this point, but she is no victim here. And, and she's a fully responsible party. Book her for premeditated murder and treason. Chop off her head. No big loss, really, as she's got only three or four functioning brain cells in there anyways, which hilariously may be less brain cells than Viserys had this episode. And ain't oh. that something? Impossible. He is, he is the dumbest king I've seen on television ever. It's great. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Just because she doesn't understand that she's queen at all. <laughs> and that bad things happen to people sometimes when you're in power. You know? <laughs> She, she's just she's just super naive nobody's dumber than him he is so stupid like insulting her father multiple times a decade later when it's like we all know it was a lie and you just fired him for a lie that he wasn't telling yeah, <laughs> yeah she's just uh too innocent she's too innocent she's 
she's still just like, I don't want to say something naughty and like hmm. not taking action. Hmm. But it's funny. I, it's good that you disagree because now we got to fight. <laughs> it is, I have a question. Is leprosy infectious? I thought so. Maybe she's got leprosy of the brain. Oh. oh. Her brain just... <laughs> I mean, she's been with the king all this time. How does she not have leprosy? I swear you hang out with stupid people. It makes you stupider. So. <laughs> and he's so stupid. Like, like, he has zero social intelligence. Like, it's it's outstanding how dumb he is with the things he says to people and how blind he is to everything. It's, yeah. I mean, it's actually really funny. She um, really is. Seriously. I think they might just make him blind. Like, they actually oh. would just make him blind and not even have any metaphors. <laughs> Eyeballs just falls out. Not another body part. <laughs> Can't lose much more. <laughs> oh God. So now for our bonus showrunner question of the evening. The showrunners and directors stated that they wanted to show things like 10 years of rumors finally getting to Renera Damon treating Lena's childbirth difficulties as a joke, and Lena deciding to go out like a warrior, much of which occurred off screen. This appears to be a repeated pattern for the showrunners and directors. Do you feel this is the best way to accomplish the story they are trying to tell? Jonathan, you want to start us off? Oh, after that, I, 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 I don't <laughs> know. I feel like our fan base might be turning on me, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I'm going to try and be as nice here as I can. At what point do you put so much of the main storyline off screen that you no longer have a coherent show on screen? I mean, I think we all hear loud and clear their decision to do this, but it all leaves me with this a big why. It's just so odd to me. Game of Thrones was all about showing the major storylines, the major plot points on screen. And when they purposefully left the major event off screen, it was buried to have major repercussions later on. Like, that was the reasoning for it. I just simply don't understand why one would not show what seems to be major arcs and major details in favor of expanding B and C storyline details, if that. Is, is this to leave the audience guessing, such that their imagination is better than what you can reasonably write? Is it because you actually just want to lay out the foundation of the story as history, without actually spending time on it. I mean, I just don't understand the reasoning for this. And it almost infuriates me to the point of, of why am I even watching this if you're purposely going to bury every single major happening on the show due to directorial decision? I mean, I mean, what, what in the heck? I, I, I don't get it, but hey, you know, the show is currently an 8.7 out of 10 on, on IMDb. So, I mean, the showrunners and directors understand that's apparently what the audience wants. I, and I, I'm just somehow in the confused and, 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 and befuddled minority here because I, I personally, I just don't get it. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, well, the time-honored notes of show, don't tell jumps to mind right off the bat, like you're saying. However, uh, what to show is an artistic choice that really comes from emerging of um, the character arcs and plot points. What I see is ideas that have manifested onto the screen that don't feel like they have come from a deep understanding of the characters, but rather a superficial connection to story threads and callbacks, like we're mentioning, mm -hmm. Sash. Like, there's a couple of lines, okay, we'll just bring it right back. That aren't, they're just not well thought out. I think 
they should reconnect with what story they are actually trying to tell from a bigger picture point of view. is what I'd like to see. Uh, that's see that that that's why you have Harvard. industry experience oh, and yeah. background. Oh, yes. is, so. <laughs> yeah, all, all that 100% agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like this episode started uh, really strong with uh, how well those like long takes were. Like I was really pulled in. Um, but then almost right away, the episode once again felt like just a bunch of plot points being thrown at us rather than having a film script. Um, it wasn't as bad as some of the other episodes in those ways. Like maybe there was a, I felt like we did have beats. We did have characters thinking and pondering in this one. Like there were those moments where we were seeing what was happening instead of them just telling us. But at the same time, like maybe it was just, there was like a little bit of description in parentheses underneath like each of the plot point bullet points, you know, it just had a little bit of description that at least included like some emotional beats uh, rather than just nothing at all. And just blatantly saying everything like a lot of the other previous episodes did, but it is disappointing to once again, be at that point. Yeah. Do we have any um, questions we, from the audience? We do, and hopefully I didn't uh, close our recording window because uh, there were issues going on there. But um, all right, so we do have one that I see right away uh, from Bear UNLV. I missed the crab feeder. Uh, he had big impact and had zero lines. Sad face, I know. <laughs> Although I'm curious to why everyone notices uh, hair color now, but ignores it during uh, during the Baratheon times. Literally, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> By King's order, they ignore hair color now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, he doesn't he doesn't see things in color. You know, he just. He sees everybody as people, man. Maybe his eyes are like upside down. There's a whole lot of stuff wrong with the king. (laughs) All right. Um, One from uh, Rebel Warren. Uh, Was it realistic uh, for uh, Ray Ray, uh, it's catching on, to to work uh, all that way uh, and up the steps after just giving birth. And what does that say about Allison for not simply going to Ray Ray herself? Ooh, I'd say it says everything you need to know about. Well, I think Allison didn't mean for her to walk up the stairs. I think she was actually surprised. She's like, oh, you care about this baby. Weird. I didn't, <sighs> I didn't think you'd want to see me, but she got one up in that way. But yeah, uh, Maria, how did, Realistic to that feel. I, I, okay, I so was a little surprised. I don't trail. care how much pride, <laughs> ego, fire in the heart you have. <laughs> that is impossible. Absolutely physically impossible. Even after like five minutes? <laughs> ten minutes. There'd be more than blood on the floor. There would be her uterus, <laughs> other organs. <laughs> like, yeah, it was very weird. Nobody's had a kid that spoke up in that room. I, I don't know. That was it, it. Felt it seemed weird. She would take a couple steps, then collapse. And that's it. Yeah. I uh, again, I I clearly know nothing on the topic, but I, I would. <laughs> 
I would say the only thing I have heard is that in hyper athletic people, like super physically fit people, it might be possible, but I mean, come on. I mean, no, no. I mean, completely unrealistic, but I think, I, I do think that's what they were going for, right? They were trying, you know, they were trying to show that Rhaenyra was like, I'm, I'm doing this, like, I'm not gonna let anybody basically shame me, you know, or, or put me down. Believe it or not, I think something like that would possibly rally the people around her. But at the same time, they might also be like, wow, she really has no nerve to tell the queen, come and see me. You know, and she has to That's drag herself point. up. You know, That's so point. nobody's going to be rallied because they're all just sexist men. They're like, right. oh, good, finally. <laughs> You're out of bed? Good. Where's breakfast? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Look, now we have to clean the floor. What are you doing? What are you doing? Her dad didn't, wasn't even concerned. Like, oh, the baby's here. Great. <laughs> Her dad wasn't like, what are you doing walking? Hippies, man. Hippies. Literally, he could have just been like, You're alive. Like, <laughs> no, it just okay. Um, let's see. I did read that the cut. Oh, that they cut a Damon scene where he comforts his kids. Interesting. Okay, that's from Bear UNLV. Huh. I I still that that's interesting that they cut that scene. Like like I still think. That, why would they? Why would they not have the scene before? <laughs> like if we saw him, like just like this, he just makes no sense. He just makes no sense as a character. I got the sense in this episode that he kind of likes his family situation. You know, like yeah. okay, maybe he doesn't spend all that time with the kids and stuff. Like, <laughs> no, he likes the wife, and I. It's so weird because they can so easily just go in any direction with Damon and instead they're just going a speck everywhere. Let's just have one of these, one of these, one of these, and not any of those things add up to anything because then they go the opposite way. This other episode, like, it's just, it's really frustrating. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and he of course, he of can course. chase his laboring wife down in time, which is also kind of sad. You, you know what? You know what? Maybe they're saving, comforting, comforting Doctor Who for episode seven, <laughs> where he comforts his girls then he comforts oh. Rhaenyra, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, sure. and and he's just one big, <laughs> big comfort care bear. <laughs> Dinner. <laughs> All right. Uh, one more question, Rebel Warren. This being episode six, how have the multiple time skips affected the show? Great question. <laughs> we were considering putting that as one of the questions um, in this uh, episode. <laughs> It ah. is not helped. Not one bit. It's definitely not helped. No. <laughs> I, I know when I'm going to give the rating in a little bit, I'm definitely going to, to cover this aspect. I know Sesh has covered it a couple times in hers. Uh, Maria has covered it a couple times in, in her responses. Uh, it makes no sense. It, it doesn't. Like... It, it's it's weird because I think we, we said earlier, generally it's a giant no-no to have time skips in general. And the reason for that is, quite frankly, shows like this, where, oh, you have an issue with your script, just time skip. You know, oh, you have a problem, time skip. Oh, you don't want to cover anything, time skip. 
you know? It's their MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and at some point you have to ask, where's the story? Like, what story are you trying to show? Like, this isn't some, at this point, 13-year rivalry uh, going on. This is, uh-oh, we, did we lose video? Oh, we're good. Okay. I see. You see us? Okay. This isn't, this isn't some 13-year 13, 13 historical perspective on the 100-year war <laughs> where you're going to skip to, like, specific battles in time. Like, I, I mean, this is supposedly a, a show. You know, and, and that's what I'm trying to say is I don't get it. When you are skipping around so much from episode to episode, you, they're not even the same characters. They're not even the same problems. Like, what are we watching? What are we dealing with? Yeah, my, my main issue with a time skip is it's like just what's the purpose of it? Just why? I haven't been able to figure out why there's been any time skips. Like, it's just, okay, there's more kids. <laughs> I, it, why does it matter like what's happening with them we didn't even really get there we barely like got their names and like character like it, it just there's nothing anything nothing that's like big that's different you know like there's nothing it's just what we could have predicted like there's no real reason for it to have happened like there's not a there's just there's just not anything big that's happening in these time skips and like I don't know I mean maybe maybe it's an anime thing I you know I watch some anime and like they do time skips you know it, they they call it the four year jump usually because it's usually about like four years or so and then you see the characters and they've been training all this time or like they mm -hmm. like establish themselves in this way and like there's just everything's just like new and better and bigger and like there's just stuff that has happened and then there's more secrets to tell and like i feel like there's literally been nothing that's happened during the entire last 10 years that is going to come up or be worth talking about like they're actually bringing up crab eaters shit again <laughs> like, what's happening even off screen in the timely like i i just don't get why they why they chose to do that it just it really it could and it could be done well like i'm not i'm not even against time skips at all i just i'm just not seeing the purpose behind them no no and and to your point like do the stepstones even matter now that battle of the stepstones because it's clear they won a battle everything was resolved oh it went back to the way it was like yeah. granted i understand from a military perspective and you know driving it later but for our purposes <clears throat> If you don't know anything about that and you're just come in now, uh, does it make any difference? And and the answer is no. And and you spent like like an episode on that, you know. So um, yeah, another person wrote, "I'm so confused as to what even year it is after after episode six. Like, sure, yeah. I mean, honestly, they could come out and be like, oh, we're now 10 years past the time of Game of Thrones. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know, like, we're still dealing with the Battle of the Stepstones. The king is still hanging on by a thread. I know we've been talking about this a lot, but I have one more thing. Uh, but so Maria, if you haven't said anything about this. Yes. I mean, do you want to, I have one, I have another idea. For, oh, no, no, um, please go ahead. I almost would have liked to just seen just 10 year gaps for everything. Just boom, 10 years later, episode one, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I almost would have liked to see something like that more than this jumpy way that they're doing it. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, because I, I agree because that's actually like a measured thing, right? You're, it's almost like you're taking a perspective mm -hmm. each year. And like, there is, I think, Sample artistic and directorial stuff you can yeah. probably do with that in terms of showing how things have changed mm -hmm. over, over time. It's just for this set. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, uh, we we are already a little bit a little bit past time, so uh, we're we're gonna power through this. <laughs> well, I I uh, like I said before, I feel like this is where the show should have started. I think you know, pick a lane. You know, I think this was the first time I was engaged in the story, though. Mm. The characters have, for the most part, clear desires and conflicts getting in their way. There was actual manipulation happening, and I felt like the acting was very good. That part I did feel like was good. I do think the story was too plot driven and that took me out of it a bit. But compared to the other episodes, I would surprise you guys and rate it a 6.5. I think it is at least delivering a story with some dimension and conflict that makes more sense than in previous episodes. On a side note, I can't believe the king is still alive. <laughs> it almost feels comical watching him missing more and more body parts every episode. Like, do they want us to laugh? Because I'm laughing. <laughs> I don't think that's still sad. Every episode. <laughs> you know, the timeline is just when the king lost body parts. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that was circa his arm. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, he's, he, he, he is later billing as the Black Knight and, and, and Monty Python. So what about you, Jonathan? How, how do you rate this this lovely episode? Yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't side with you here. I mean, I, I just don't feel good about this one. Uh, I mean, did it feel like we made progress in the storyline? Yeah, I, I guess. Sort of. In a weird sideways manner, but... Uh, honestly, it feels more to me like like we're just back to square one. Uh, the 10-year time jump just doesn't sit well with me, as it doesn't even feel like we're talking about the same characters, as I mentioned earlier. The story just, it, it feels disjointed to me, and the characters don't even feel like they're established yet. I, I can't help but think that they could have gone with a more focused, intense, character-driven story, plot, and arc, and it would be so much improved over what this series currently is. I mean, I don't think that the story is necessarily bad that they're doing. They're just not doing any job of actually telling it. Or you could go ahead and in each major time you want to stop, like spend the season or spend a half season on and then move forward and and you feel like you're going somewhere you feel like you're growing with the characters you're learning how they change over time actually similar to what sesh brought up yeah. but i mean as it as it is now you know we finally got to a point in the story last episode where it felt we had some continuity and now i mean i i just don't know plus how are we supposed to get any real character development, let alone connect with these characters that we're supposed to be intrigued with, with hearing their story with all this jumping around? Personally, I think I should rate this episode lower, but I'll, I'll give it a four because it didn't seem as terrible as some of their earlier episodes. I guess it, it just felt like in this episode there was a whole lot of dialogue with just nothing really to say. And and that's that that's a D for me. That's solid. That's fair. What do you think, Sash? 
I mean, it was better than I was expecting. Uh, I, I don't feel like they fumbled the ball, really, um, from the last episode and how pretty good that one was. But they still haven't really made it to the goal. Uh, like, it had a few moments that could have been better, but it, it didn't feel bad. I felt a little more indifferent than I would have liked. Um, but we're jumping into things after 10 years, so I feel kind of intrigued at least. Um, like a, a way better start than the first episode. I am both and I am both amazed the king is still alive and not surprised. Like, like I mentioned before, I'm pretty sure they're saving his death for the grand finale of season one for the most predictable Game of Thrones finale ever. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we'll have to I'll have to look back on this episode to decide where it's landing for me. Um right now it's kind of between maybe a five or a six. Uh but I think the real difference will be in how good this one will be. Um if there is any actual clever subtlety in it that we haven't been able to see play out yet. If it's not all surface level um then this episode could grow to be better with me in my opinion um i'm still unsure who a handful of our characters are or any other drama than the long setup for the battle of the throne but i mean i don't really have major any major complaints of this episode i mean so once again not getting my hopes up and hopefully i'll just be surprised uh, by the way, we uh, did get a very kind comment from uh, Rebel Warren. Thank you, guys. Best commentary on House of the Dragons. So oh, thank you. That thank is you super so kind. You found us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to listen to other podcasts. We don't like the show. <laughs> we'll be doing this show just for you in the future. You call us up. You know, we'll show up at your door. We'll go in your backyard and and you know. We'll just we'll just go ahead and, and talk to you at some point. So uh, no, thank you, uh, thank you so much. Um, again, we're uh, uh, we're super uh, glad for everybody who is here um, on and listening to us live. Uh, to anybody who is uh, watching our uh, our, our reviews um, as as well on any of the different uh, sources, and um, you know, with that, I think uh, we're about good for that uh for that outro so all thank you uh so much for joining watching until the end uh, we really do appreciate all your support and hopefully we brought you some intelligent conversation and last tonight maybe um i know i sure brought hr some <laughs> some grimaces so that means good things for our viewing public and uh again it's it's your support that uh that, that makes it worth it because honestly we're here to entertain um, not just ourselves but, but you guys also uh, so if you like this show please like share subscribe heart do those likey things that that are always good and uh, if you hated this show make sure that you go ahead and you like this twice as that will show us you know we have a separate mark uh, separate separate metrics that are set up specifically for people who like twice and mm -hmm. you know we will make sure to improve our show for you you just keep watching every single episode and we'll get this done for you um our next episode will be back uh at our normal date and time monday october 3rd at 8 p.m pacific 
that is right water cooler conversation time so that is uh that is uh excellent so we hope to see you there again october 3rd 8 p.m pacific 11 p.m eastern uh and until next time could you do it better <laughs> all right thanks everybody thank you let's